Sports Podcast. I said, Welcome to, welcome to the Dirty Sports Podcast with Andy Ruther and Joe Prano. Welcome to, welcome to the Dirty Sports Podcast. Welcome to the Dirty Sports Podcast. I am your host, Andy Ruther. Coming to you live from Cincinnati, Ohio, with my co-host, the uh, Hermosa Beach, Joey. No chill, Prano. Hello, Andy. What's up, buddy? Oh, you know, just down here in, in the South Bay, where uh, no one has any idea anything's going on. They're just like, hey, man, could you use a burrito today? Maybe a little iced macchiato? <laughs> No, uh, no riots, no looting, no protests, just a bunch of people in flip-flops living it up. So you would say that Hermosa is pretty much in a bubble. Yeah, I mean, I think I think a lot of the uh, the South Bay down here is pretty, pretty like isolated from all this stuff. I, I did see on Twitter like certain people calling for like, Let's go get the let's go get all the white people in the beach cities or whatever, which like, you know, obviously, whatever. I'm not uh, I'm not I'm not like a beach cities resident or anything. I and I am here right now because Venice was not that Venice was getting dicey. I was just going to come down here anyway. But uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting the way it just really doesn't seem to be having an effect down here. Now, I got to say a lot of the uh, there are their own there's there's its own like uh, police issues down here that I know about over the last couple of years. Cause when you drive around here, there's like signs about the police force and stuff and you Google it and you're like, what's going on. They're their own, like they have their own like racial issues and the way they, you know, uh, terrorize people a little bit. If the wrong looking kind of person comes through a nice area, which is what it is. Like that's pretty standard operating procedure, especially for cops in the Los Angeles area. But yeah, I mean, in terms of everything that's going on, you go outside right now. I mean, I, I walked a couple blocks, got a burrito and a nice coffee this morning. My, well, well, you know. well, I, I want to, because a lot of people don't know the, you know, the logistics or how it works. Just so everybody knows. So South Bay would be about where you're at. It's like 13 miles, 14 miles south of Venice. Of, of Venice, yeah. It's just south of LAX. So like we're we're kind of just north of LAX at uh, in Venice. like. Playa and and uh, Marina and Venice and Santa Monica all just kind of north of of LAX and South Bay is right on the other side. El Segundo, Manhattan Beach, Hermosa, Redondo, uh, PB, and then like you start getting down into into Long Beach, which is funny because Santa Monica, a little bit of Venice yesterday, and then it jumps down to Long Beach. South Bay is just here going like, yeah, man, you know, can't can't you can't fight the cops and flip flops. That's her. That's our motto, man. <laughs> but, but it's also what the ge the geographic. It's difficult because you can't keep protests. Like the march really couldn't continue if you headed south from like Venice, where we're at. It's it's not an easy route, if that makes right. sense. They right. basically be protesting along the beach bike path. Yeah, yeah. Because even on the bike path, you got to take that marina route. Oh yeah, that's true. So it's, it, it kind of almost keeps it safe. 
Yeah, I mean, for, same for me. Last night, I went over to my brother's, and we had a fire pick on, and we had s'mores. Yeah. So it's with my three-year-old uh, nephew. Now, now, is there a curfew there? There was for, I don't know if it was just downtown. downtown. So, you know, Which my dad's a thing. There's a curfew today at 1 o'clock. For L.A. County? For, for I think, Santa Monica again. Wow. Which is, which is like, this, this is a whole other thing. Like, I, I, I'll tell you, this isn't, I don't even think this is a conspiracy theory. This is just like the way it is. But I know uh, there are a lot of people out there who are watching all this stuff go down and be like, what does this have to do with, you know, people getting, you know, black people getting killed by cops when you're like stealing from stores and looting. And to which I, I really want to, um, do the best job I can of explaining what was happening here in LA yesterday, especially in Santa Monica, and then the day before in like the Melrose, Beverly Hills, you know, Grove area. So you obviously know LA. A lot of people don't know LA, but um, if you guys watched it on TV, the first day, uh, what was that, two days ago, I guess that would have been Saturday, there was a protest. Uh, a peaceful protest that was happening at a park by the Grove. They went, they went down third street uh, over there and they got stopped when they tried to, you know, basically head toward Beverly Hills. Surprise, surprise. And then the looting starts one major thoroughfare over. So the, the looting doesn't happen where this protest is happening. It happens on Melrose. Yesterday over closer to where we live, there's, a protest is happening down on Ocean Avenue, right by the Santa Monica Pier. And then simultaneously looting and rioting and whatever happened at 4th Street, where Ariadne yeah. is, and Patagonia and whatever. So this isn't really a conspiracy theory. And I'm, I'm hoping, although I'm not very hopeful, that the cops have figured this out, is they take an entire police force in an area and they, they make a wall of cops. They call, they say every single cop in the area, get down here, we need to handle this peaceful protest. It's 3.45 and we have randomly decided 20 minutes ago that there's a curfew at four. And if these people don't disperse, we're gonna start shooting them with rubber bullets and gassing them and whatever. Meanwhile, looters who are not involved in this at all, in the protests, in the peaceful protests, in the kneeling, in the marching, show up and go, two blocks over to areas where stores are completely left wide open because every single cop in the area is dealing with marchers. Like this isn't happening. People aren't going and looting areas in other parts of the city. They're going two blocks away from where every single cop in the area is lined up because they know no one's over here guarding REI and Patagonia because they're all, they all have their batons out ready to smash somebody if they don't leave the pier by 4 p.m. Yeah, did you see the one video of the protester in front of REI? And it's, it's, a, it's like a young white girl. Yeah. And she's trying to stop them from looting and it looks like, looks like white kids. It looks like maybe it could be Antifa. Do you know what I'm talking about? They throw yeah. her, they throw her out of the way, and she keeps trying to block it off. Like, no, I'm not here to loot. So, I mean, I think you bring up a good point that a lot of people don't understand. There's, there it's is two separate, it's two separate groups here. There are people who are marching and protesting, 
And there are people who are looting and stealing and causing violence. And there's actually multiple groups. There's people that just, like you said, whether it be Antifa, whether it be, you know, paid protesters, whether it be cops, whether it be whatever, there are people that are out there riling up this by shattering store windows and causing violence and spray painting things and whatever. Then there's people who are protesting and marching. We both are friends with a lot of people who were involved in the one uh, uh, over by the Grove and the one yesterday. A lot of our friends, a lot of comics, a lot of people peacefully protesting. Then there's a third group and, and shout out to uh, NBC yesterday who was reporting on this, the local NBC who's reporting these looters, the people who are actually stealing, it is very organized. They arrive in cars, one guy gets out or two guys get out, another guy stays with the car, monitors time, monitors if cops are coming, screams out one minute, two minutes, three minutes, they come back to the cars with all their stuff, throw it in and leave. This isn't people that are part of a protest going like, oh, well now let's kick in the door. Where would you go with five boxes of shoes if you were walking in a protest? You can't, you have to get in a car and escape the area. So don't be ignorant. Don't be sitting there across the country going like, how does this help people? It, it doesn't help people. What's happening is there are people who are trying to take advantage of this situation. Yeah. And all the cops are over here. I'm going to steal from under their noses. Well, I think the J.R. Smith video is kind of perfect evidence of this, right? Yeah. So I tweeted it out, and I'm sure most of you guys saw it. If you haven't looked at look at it, it's on Dirty Sports. I tweeted out both the TMZ video and also his response, which was posted on TMZ. Some random looter went to his residential neighborhood in L.A., and tried to fuck up his truck and J.R. Smith beat the hell out of him. And that's what he was, that was, he was saying on the video, like, guys, this has nothing to do with the protest. This is just somebody trying to capitalize on pandemonium and yeah. somewhat of an anarchy, you know, it's kind of like anarchy out there. And there's just so many things going on right now. It's, it's not a, and for once J.R. Smith, has, you know, the presence of mind in a clutch situation to know exactly what to do. I just, I I wish that somebody would do the meme of the LeBron James, like pointing at the guy by his car. He's like, he's right here. And then J.R. Smith coming and beating his ass. Yeah. No, you're right. And and it's, that's the thing is, obviously we're going to talk a lot about this. The whole country's on fire. I mean, you know, I tweeted it out. It's like the country's turn. We, we turn into the Cleveland Browns. Like, like the United States has, I told you so. <laughs> what's that? Hate to say I told you so. Well, it's just in a matter of weeks, it's, 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 it's crazy to, not weeks, I should say months. It's crazy to think no one's even talking about COVID and right. we're literally on fire. Like yeah. you, you always use the term dumpster fire. Like America is literally one giant dumpster fire. Which I want to say, I tweeted it yesterday, but I'll, I'll say it again. I know a lot of people are donating to a lot of different causes, Black Lives Matter, ACLU, people that are bailing people out, lawyer firms that are going to represent people pro bono, which all of those are great things. You know, if you have the money to spread around all those things, great. One of the things that is going underneath the radar that I want to say, and this comes from being a New Yorker, where... Um, a lot of a lot of Irish people, and you know, I'm, my my dad's Italian, but my mom is obviously Irish, New York, 
And my mom's really like from a, from a true, like a New Yorker, like she was in New York a long time. And a lot of New Yorkers, uh, Irish are cops and firemen. And, uh, you know, there's always been a bit of a rivalry uh, between those two. And I got to say, if, if you know anything about me, you know which side of that rivalry I'm on. But cops are at least partially responsible for this entire country being on fire. And then real heroes have to go in and clean up their mess. And real heroes have to put their life on the line. You can say, oh, these cops, man, they're, they're putting their life on the line. It's like breaking up a protest, a peaceful march with rubber bullets and ignoring looters isn't really putting your life on the line to me. So, you know, the, the, the firemen who have nothing to do with the thing, this country being on fire, having to go in and risk their lives because the flip side of the coin is their kind of rival department, the cops can't stop killing people. Donate to your local fire department. I, I donated to the LA fire department yesterday because after watching guys run into buildings on Melrose, um, because cops decided they were going to break up a peaceful protest on third, it just made me sick. And, you know, especially last year after all the fires in the, in the mountains and the wildfires, like these cops don't need, we, we, California police officers and cops and all that forcing firemen to go to work on not a wildfire, kind of ridiculous. So, you know, donate to your local fire department. Well, I think the whole climate, I, I, I want to say this because it's not, not something I wanted to tweak because it's, it's too, you know, it's easier to explain, right, on a podcast. I, I think everything's just a perfect storm right now, right? You, you have people who've been told they're supposed to stay home for months, and then you have an, another awful murder of a civilian while he's going under arrest. And obviously we, we have so many videos of these and it's, it's just, it's everything just bubbles over. And I think that's what's happening now. Um, and I'm not justifying looting and I'm not justifying any of that, but I'm just trying to put some perspective on it, at least from, from my vantage point, Joe, is that you have all these factors coming together. You have almost four years of a president who half the country hates. And, oh, and that, I mean, I think I think more than half the country hates. Just more, unfortunately, more than half the country doesn't vote. Exactly. So you and, have. All, by the way, and by the way, I'm on the record again as saying this is. I think this is good. I think this is. I think this is. This is what we needed because guess what? If Hillary Clinton had been president, that cop is still an asshole and still murders somebody, and no one marches on the White House because of it because they're just like, well, she cares when really she doesn't. So yeah. the idea that that there's a, like you said, the Cleveland Browns, <laughs> Donald Trump is Hugh Jackson. Yeah, somebody Donald, tweeted that. Yeah, Donald Trump is Hugh Jackson. And guess what? There's a good chance that he's going to be extended after going 0-16. And, 16. and <laughs> it's, it's a pretty good analogy. But I actually think this is good because everybody, like we have to take this thing to the highest level. And you know what? This has no, it really doesn't have that much to do with Donald Trump. Like police are racist. There's a lot of racist, you know, scared cops out there that, that resort to violence way too quickly. And it's good for our country that somebody that a lot of people know is racist is in the White House because now we're going to take it there as opposed to if, a, a you know, 
a Democrat was. And then we're like, well, this doesn't really involve Obama or Hillary or whatever. It's like, yeah, it does. Well, I, I think I told you this on the phone. I think from my opinion, the whole system needs to be blown up and the whole law enforcement system, because it's just not working. And I, I think everyone, before everyone forms an opinion, my advice to everybody would be this, just take a step back, just listen to different people. You don't always have to agree with people, but just listen. That's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to hear different perspectives, watch different videos, read different things, and just listen. But there's just so many videos. This has always happened. And again, that's a new form. So like what's happened, right, for all these years, Joe, when, when videos didn't exist to people getting murdered or arrested, you know, where they didn't deserve it. So this is all kind of new to a lot of people. I mean, even, if you look, even if you look at the guy who's at the, the cop who's at the root of this, this is the incident of his that they have on camera. That's sure. why we have, there's 12 incidents. Like, Andy, try to get, try to, try to go work the improv in LA and have 12 different times that the club tells you, you can't do this, you can't do this, please stop doing that. That, that wouldn't happen to Joe Rogan, it wouldn't happen to Dane Cook, it wouldn't happen to Dave Chappelle. Maybe Dave Chappelle, like smoking is about it. But like, you, you, you cop is the only thing where you just get to do whatever you want and unless it's caught on camera, you get to keep your job. And then a lot of times if you are caught on camera, you get to keep your job. I was going to say, even, yeah, it's a good point. Even when you are caught on camera, and in my opinion, when I say you need to kind of blow up the whole law enforcement system, I just think we're not getting the right candidates more times than not. And, and that's my problem. And again, it's complicated. I, I think this is a very complicated issue. How do you get better qualified or people who are going to fit this job better? and Pay them better. And I think that's a start. And you know, I've also said same, same as teachers, you know, obviously that's, then you're, then you're increasing taxes and, and it is a complicated issue, cool. but I let's, also, just, let, let's pull out of every war ever and give all that money to teachers and cops and firemen problem solved where we're getting that money. That's where we're getting it. Yeah. And I also think that you see these things time and time again, and really take a step back. And before you say, oh, well, what's the other part of the video? Or what did he do to deserve it? Like, nobody deserves to die. Like, you've been arrested. I've been arrested. People fuck up. If you fuck well, up, if you do something wrong, if you break the law, you don't deserve to die for it. Like, so there's, there's, a, there's two things, Andy. One, I completely agree with you that we have to tear it down. And, and first of all, if you look at some of the cities that have been handling it well, one city that is a, a, a very trash city overall is uh, Camden, New Jersey, and they have been uh, held up very high uh, this past weekend as somebody that has been handling these protests well. And this is what they did. A couple of years ago, they literally tore down their police department and rebuilt it. A lot of the people were rehired, but they just stripped it down entirely and started over. And I agree with you that that's what we have to do. And we need to change the way we hire police change the quality of person that we even allow to be candidates. I, I always talk about it, like the people I know that grew up to be NYPD, garbage people, garbage people, just bottom line. Now that could just be the three people I know that became NYPD happen to be trash, but it's probably not. 
Um, but here's, I, I, do have a, I do have a suggestion for something that we can do in the moment. This is separate from the police because a lot of people are like, what, what do we do right now? And I have had an altercation with a cop and I have uh, been pinned to the ground and had a cop kneel on my back. And that was in my younger, less mature days. As a mature adult now, we have to fight these cops with love. And when I say that, I know a lot of people are probably gonna be like, okay, what is this hippie stuff? But I mean, real love, carnal love. We need to have sex with these cops' wives and these cops' daughters while they are out causing mayhem. I want, I'm serious, while these cops are out doing this thing, we need to fight them with real, true, serious love. We need to make love to their wives. Friend their wives on Facebook, swipe right on their wives on Tinder and Bumble, and I want you to bed down these wives. And when you, when you fill them with passion, because there's no better time to talk to a woman than in the throes of passion. Tell her Black Lives Matter, okay? Tell her that we need to make a change. And so maybe these cops will, will be out less harassing people and at home more. You, this is my strategy, Andy. Hashtag it. Cuck the police. Cuck the police. Cuck the police. Are we going to have a NWA Fuck the Police remix with Cuck the yeah. Police? Use your love as a weapon, okay? And spray the bullets of that weapon all over the wives and the daughters of these men in blue. And by the way, this goes for female cops too. There's plenty of angry female cops. Find their ladies, find their husbands and have make sweet, sweet love to them. Okay. We need to make them realize that while they're out doing that, we can fight our own war. Okay. We can attack them with rubber, not bullets, condoms. We will make sweet love to all of these people's significant others. What, what about, okay, take someone like me. What about me just making sweet love to an actual female police officer? I, I will say I see a fair amount of good-looking female police officers in Los Angeles, and I, it's kind of on a bucket list. I mean, I think you make, her, you make them get down on their knees and say Black Lives Matter, you know, like make them beg for it. I'm picturing, I'm picturing myself climaxing and saying Black Lives Matter while I... And, and just, like, just like the cops like to do, reward for anybody that helps us solve this crime. I, I challenge you, dirt balls and dirt ballettes, if you make sweet, sweet love to the significant other or the daughter or son of one of these cops, I will reward you. I, we have Dirty Sports merch. I have Venmo money. I have shout outs on the show. We need to take no more violence, no more anger, no more physical altercations, physical attacks in the form of sweet, sweet lovemaking. Oh, you're going to go out and, and break up a peaceful protest? I'm going to turn your bedroom into a peaceful protest, if you know what I mean. Protest with my dick. That's right. Now, is this on the Joe Prano 
running for president 2020 platform? Absolutely. You know, kill them with kindness, kill them with love. Everybody goes, yeah, nice in theory, but how does that work? This is how it works. This is how it works. Lay down the significant other. You know they're not paying attention to them. The kind of cops that go out and harass people and, and resort to violence because they're scared, I think we all know what the issue is there, right? I think we all know. So show up, not with this, but with this, right? Take a fist, if you know what I mean, and, and, and just fill that, fill that significant other with passion. Nothing, nothing gets a cop off the street like him having to go home and talk to his wife about how she let a comedian or the fan of the Dirty Sports podcast lay her down and take her to Ecstasyville. Well, uh, on a side I'm note. Gonna loot. I'm going to loot. I'm going to go in there. and Loot I'm gonna that take, booty? I'm going to take all that good booty. Loot that booty. I, by the way, I think that is, that's a great phrase. Loot that booty. Loot Cut that the booty. Police. Cuck the police. The closest I've come. Uh, Hashtag cuck the police. Here's a quick sidebar Andy Ruther story. The closest I've come to uh, hooking up with a cop was uh, I finger banged a, paro- uh, a Filipino. <laughs> I, 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 I finger banged a Filipino parole officer in the back of the, in the back of a taxi minivan. <laughs> it, well, it counts. It counts. I met her at, speaking of, you know, a place that got looted, the Third Street Promenade, I met her at Barney's, and she beat, she beat my ass in pool, this, this little, this little Filipino girl, she was a pro officer, tough cookie though, and then, uh, it was weird, because we were going back to my place, and we started fooling around in the, uh, in the minivan, and then we got to my place, and she was like, oh, I don't think I can go in, and that's the last I saw of her. But uh, the fingers still smell. No, I'm kidding. It's getting, it's getting dirty. Uh, I'll tell you what, Joe. You're talking about double finger guns. You're, you're talking about um, peace and love, and that's a great segue to me bringing up a book of a guy I just keep loving more and more that I started reading. Oh, nice. I got Phil Jackson's Sacred Hoops. I crushed 50 pages my first day. And uh, this is the first book he wrote. So he wrote this in 1995 and I was inspired by The Last Dance and obviously seeing more of Phil and I've always liked his philosophy and I'm getting to the point in my life where I'm very interested in the spiritual stuff as far as some of the, the Asian and Eastern philosophies. But I, saw, I read something that I want to bring oh, up. And- oh, Andy, I'm into the Asian and the Eastern philosophies as well. I'm about to start going on Facebook pages for the, the wives of police officers and introduce them to the art of the Kama Sutra. You know what I mean? <laughs> but I thought of you, Joe, in, in the initial pages. So again, he wrote this in 95. So he wrote this after the boom. Love your head. Put your hands where I can see them, ladies. You're not even going to let me get through this, are you? Please, please continue. He wrote this after the Bulls had lost to the Magic and Michael Jordan had just come back. But this is coming from the horse's mouth. And, and, and you have been very vocal in this. And I was like, wow, this is almost as if Joe Prano himself wrote this book. The first part is on page 12, he's talking about the season. And he, and he says how in 95, they weren't nearly as good as 94. The 94, again, people forgot, was the year Michael Jordan was playing baseball. 
And he and said, they had, and they still had Horace Grant. Well, that's what I'm going to get to. And Phil says in his book, part of the problem was that we had lost two important big men in the offseason. Horace Grant, an all-star power forward who had signed as a free agent with the Orlando Magic, and Scott Williams, who jumped the 76ers. But I find it interesting that the coach himself is saying how important Horace Grant was. And then on the next page, he talks and about – I'm sorry, I just want to remind people – I know we've done it on the show – I just want to remind people, you know, the loss of Horace Grant and Scott Williams to a, a lesser degree is what made the Bulls worse. But then, you know, don't forget, they actually run, they lose to the team that acquired Horace Grant. Yeah, it is interesting. And then on the next page, he discusses how the Bulls were possibly going to trade Scottie Pippen in 95 after his 94 season when he was third in the MVP voting. And Phil Jackson himself says this, and this is the 95 season. I was dubious that we could ever get fair trade value for Pippen. Easily the best all-around player in the league. Easily. Which, I, which, again, I find fascinating coming from a guy who coached Jordan, and obviously he, he wrote this in 95, so he hadn't coached Kobe or Shaq yet. But like you said, he's saying Scottie Pippen in 1995 was easily the best all-around player in the league. First of all, Andy, um, that's awesome. I have not read Sacred Hoops. I read uh, some of the book that he wrote, you know, after his Lakers stint. Um, but I honestly think that that, you know, is something that probably, like, you should just take a picture of that page of the book and tweet it because I think that that's the kind of thing that, you know, all these hot takes and opinions and things from, from the, that Bulls era is like, you know, getting renewed life. That's straight from Phil Jackson's mouth. And, and honestly, um, you know, if Chuck Daly calls Scottie Pippen the uh, best all-around basketball player in the league, people go, oh, well, you know, He's just butthurt that Jordan beat him. Bill Lambeer calls, you know, whatever. LeBron better. Oh, he's just butthurt. This is from the coach of the Bulls team that Michael Jordan was on. And also the, you know, the, the guy who, like, he, he's a Michael, like, Phil Jackson's a Michael Jordan stan. Now, I don't know if he's speaking to, uh, of Scottie Pippen in the absence of Michael Jordan. But Phil Jackson's a pretty smart guy, and he didn't say that. Well, well, that's a fair question, and I was thinking that myself. And, again, I'm only 50 pages in. It's not that big of a book. It's like 220 pages. Uh, and, and you're right. He, in the first 50 pages, speaks so, you know, such high praise of Michael Jordan. And, and he is a Michael Jordan stand. And you're right, and that is a good question. Is, is he saying this because MJ is out of the game? Or he he doesn't say that, right? He doesn't say like in the absence of Michael Jordan, the best all around. And and honestly, even if he is, even if he is saying that, just keeping this in mind, Michael Jordan stands. Uh, you everybody likes to say, oh, like LeBron had to go and get help. Even if Michael Jordan was the best all around player in basketball, and then he leaves, what Phil Jackson, coach of the Bulls, is saying is we have the two best all around players. Yeah. No, and you're right, and that's a great point. But also, I feel like just the wording of that, to me, says he's, he knows exactly what he's saying. He's saying, better defender than Michael, 
better passer than Michael, like, you know, better rebounder than Michael. And obviously Jordan was a better scorer and Jordan was the go-to guy when the game's on the line and Jordan could go off. But you're right. I mean, by saying best all around and, and, and using the, the adverb easily, you know, to use that way to describe him, uh, I thought it was interesting. And that, that's one of those, again, you're only 14 pages in the book and you're like, whoa, he, he's saying how good Scotty is. And like you said, if Jordan's the best all-around player, that's fine. I, I don't care, but that's basically saying the Bulls had the two, the two best players, yeah. right, in the game. Which, I mean, which is why Michael Jordan was one in nine in playoff series before uh, Sky Pippen showed up. Yeah. Which, but, by the way, which by the way, this all takes me back to my point about the police. By the way, <laughs> let's let's circle back. The way that you know what the cops are doing wrong. The cops are doing. The cops are running this defense like the Lakers did against Michael Jordan. On the, on the peaceful protesters, they're all coming in on Michael Jordan. Meanwhile, John Paxson's over here killing it. Killing it. Right? What, what the cops need to do, the cops need to take an 80s Celtics approach to these protests. Let the protesters get their points. Let these protesters get their buckets. We're going to defend everybody else. Yeah. They need to, and so Michael Jordan goes for 63. You kept the city peaceful. Well, and, and Phil goes on the pages after that to talk about it, like how w- when they all bought in and even when, when Jordan bought in and got his teammates involved, that's why they won the first three-peat. And, and he talks about that. I'm basically at the point now where when, when Jordan came back, his teammates were too intimidated by him and they were too – scared to seize the moment and they didn't all buy in and there was a lack of trust which that's what I love about Phil is that he gets the whole team concept and uh I I'm I'm really excited to finish this book to be honest and and look that you know that is the thing about Phil Jackson is he's certainly one of the greatest coaches of all time because of what he was able to accomplish but also because the philosophy was something that made having multiple stars on a team and and specifically having two you know pseudo dynasties with psychotic sociopathic ball hogs he made it work because he has a way to get to players now is he the greatest x and o's coach of all time no i don't think he is but he got the most out of having incredible players which yeah it, it, it does is it easy Sure, it's easier than being Greg Popovich, but not like Greg Popovich didn't have Tim Duncan. You know what I mean? But it's, uh, it's still very difficult to do, especially when you have personalities like Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, Shaquille O'Neal. Yeah, no, I agree. And that's why I'm, you know, I'm such a Phil Jackson stan. The NBA, though, Joe, I think, I think we're getting there, my friend. It looks like July. They're going to have 24 teams playing in Disney in Orlando. Basically the teams that I think within six games can qualify for those last playoff spots. How are you feeling right now about this? I think like I, I have a good, just a good vibe where this is headed. Yeah. You know, I got to say 
I don't really love the idea of playing these games. I mean, look, it's better than it's better than not playing basketball for sure. Like bring back the NBA. I don't care if the Knicks have to play or whatever. It it does seem weird to me though that you're playing out these games. It, it, it's like wh- why even change the season? Like if the if the teams that are if the teams that are eliminated are out, right? And now you're going to play these games for an opportunity to get in. Isn't that kind of weird for the teams that were on the bubble or even the teams that are in on the bubble to have to play only games against teams that are of a quality that they're around the bubble? Like no one, none of these teams that are fighting to hold on to a playoff spot or get into a playoff spot, get to play the Knicks, get to play the Bobcats, get to play these teams that, might have come up on their schedule. It just seems weird to me to like make an adjustment to the schedule. I say it is what it is. The pandemic was the pandemic. If you want to be in the playoffs, be in the playoffs when at every single second of the season. Well, it'll make it more interesting though, because you have teams competing for those final spots. And I know what you're saying about playing a lesser talented team, but wouldn't you rather watch the Pelicans have to face, you know, a Utah Jazz or a Mavericks? Sure. Oh, I, I, I'm not the, – the basketball of it is greatly improved by that. But I'm saying is, is the fairness in place? Well, I, I don't know. I, I, like, to me, the question of fairness is kind of out the window because we have never had to deal with anything like this. It's like, it's the same thing as the idea of like, oh, we're going to go through, we're going to go with a one through 16 seating. It's like, so now teams are going to be punished for playing a harder schedule in the West. And they're like, it just, it, it seems like, why would you do that? Yeah. It, it just seems to me like it, you don't need to make this adjustment. I say just start the playoffs when they come back. Now I understand that it's like, oh, we need tune up games. Well, Everybody's on level playing surface. No one's played for two months. Yeah. But no, I know. That, but... That, being, that being said, give me the basketball. Oh, my God. I, mean, I can't think of anything more exciting than laying in a bed after a post-coital bliss with some LAPD sergeant's wife and cracking a Miller Lite and watching some NBA basketball and being like, babe, I hope the Lakers win because when we ride over that, I'll be back. Unbelievable. Joe Prano, unbelievable. I am excited though. I, like, it, it's weird. I've had these thoughts of watching, like, it's crazy to have these thoughts of watching sports. Like, we're so far removed. You know what I did with my dad the other day? You know what I did with Walt? I was watching reruns on NBC. SN is, 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 that, is that the is that their channel? Yeah. Of rugby from January. I right, just watching a rugby match from the UK. Love it. But, but like that's where we're at right now. Who's who's Walt's squad? He doesn't have one. We were both kind of playing on our phones a lot. Uh, but I was texting my brother since my brother did play uh, over in the UK for a semi-professional team and it's god those guys are savages bro oh yeah those, rug, those rugby guys are animals yeah absolute animals 
Um, but I, I, I'm really stoked, and, and I think basketball's headed in the direction, football's headed in the direction, baseball. But, but baseball is, is the emoji of that guy going. Yeah. What is I, happening? I mean, the commissioner is a complete and utter idiot. So baseball has countered the initial proposal with something that leaked today that's probably going to happen, a 114-game proposal. Now, the owners wanted a split, right, 80-81-game season, 82-game season, I think. Now, the players have combat that with a 114-game season, also at prorated um, payment. Pay them their money. Give them the whole season. Give them their money and play however many games you want. The players are going to play if you pay them. They'll play 81 games. They'll play 95 games. They'll play 100 games. They want to play more games because they want their money. Guess what? You're billionaires. Pay them. Yeah, and the players, they've given some you, you know, they've given some things back to the owners. For example, other parts of this include they would ex- – because, because they know – Here's the problem, just to kind of break it down for everybody. Baseball needs fans. They're not going to make the – More so than other sports. Yes. So on average – on average, I I read this today. I forget where I read it. On average, 28,000 fans attend baseball games throughout the season. So to put that in comparison, the NHL and NBA were both around 17,000. So you're talking about 11,000 more fans. Also, remember this, guys. The NHL and NBA both completed 75 to 80% of their regular season already. Yeah. The MLB has not had a single game. So the economics of this plays a huge factor. Those leagues can go without fans because they've got the majority of the season done. Now, Major League Baseball is coming from a different angle, obviously. So with that being said, the players have proposed for the next two years – to expand the playoffs from 10 to 14 teams, which would increase the revenue overall for the whole league since, you know, it's revenue sharing. And also a salary advance of $100 million to be split among players during um, a spring training 2.0. And they, they've given – they've given uh, – they've offered to wear microphones on the field, more microphones to give more access. I know it sounds small, but these are – these are things they're willing to give up also. And this is kind of a weird one, Joe, the players have offered to hold off season all-star and home run derby events to generate more revenue for the owners. Great. So it looks like they're willing to concede some things or, you know, and surprise, surprise, the owners are assholes. So I just, I've read a lot on this, right? And from what I've read, the owners will have no problems not having a season. Right. Because they don't have to pay anybody. Exactly. So in a way, they're kind of in the driver's seat. I mean, I I think this David Price story is – I didn't even hear this. What is this? It's the epitome of the situation. David Price, out of his own money, has offered to pay starting in June, for the month of June – because all the Dodgers minor leaguers are going to start making $400 right. for that month. He's offered to pay anybody who's not on the Dodgers 40-man roster, 
And obviously he's not going to pay his own teammates. But anybody not on the 40-man roster, in the Dodgers organization, David Price is going to give $1,000 to. Great. That's awesome. So, so how many minor leaguers is that, do you think? I mean, there's probably 25 guys on like, you know, I don't know, maybe let's call it five, like they, they've been cutting back, but let's call it five levels. I don't know. Double A, you know, single A, double A, triple A, four levels, five levels. There's rookie ball, you know, uh, yeah. which who knows if the June draft, call it a hundred players, call it 120 players. So he's going to give up a hundred G's roughly less or more of his own. Like, like, like this, this is such a bad look for the owners that price is willing to do that. He is a player himself that he's willing to give up. And obviously he makes a lot of money. I believe his contract was like $200 million. He's not hurting at all, but guess what price, what he earns as a pitcher pales in comparison to what the owners have. Yeah. And I just think that puts everything in perspective. Well, look, the, you know, we have tons and tons and tons of, of evidence that these owners across all the sports are ass. I mean, look at the, you know, I, I hate to keep going back to the same thing, but like, you know, we're we obviously we started out with everything that's going on in the country right now. How absurd is it that the NFL is tweeting? Oh my God. These, these statements about black lives matter and about like police brutality, like you guys blackballed Colin Kaepernick for saying what you said. This is the equivalent of Rob Manfred putting out a statement saying like, we understand gambling is an addiction. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER and get yourself some help. It's something that no one can deal with on their own and come into a major league baseball office and get help with your gambling problem. And then not letting P Rose into the hall of fame. Yeah. No, it's the, the idea that Roger Goodell oversees that and, and shout out to every single person who replied to that with like, literally fuck you. Yeah. No, I, I agree. And, 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 you know, now that we're on the subject, Andy, we've done, we did that. We did, dozens of episodes of where we mentioned Colin Kaepernick and this issue. And I got to say right now, like I, this is another one for a lot of people, a lot of our fans, a lot of people who reached out to us and, and, and argued our, our point on that, like, hate to say, I told you so, but this is what that was about. Yeah. Well, it's uh, the tone deaf nature of a tweet like that coming from the NFL and, with Roger Goodell himself co-signing it. It's like, who's your PR department? Like, do you not realize the backlash you're going to get from this? This yeah. is such a bad look. Yeah, it's just like, stay out of it. But, but that's, you know, the reason I brought it up is because this, the, these billionaire owners with, you know, there's few exceptions for sure in, in, in every league. There are some good owners, there are some good people who like, you know, have a sense of what's going on, but the, the majority of these guys, the yeah, but the, but the majority of these guys are out of touch, old white rich people who have no idea how to handle any of this. Well, and exactly. And they're like, they're like COVID-19 is not a problem. I don't know anybody that's sick. Like you, again, you see this David Price story. It's just, it's, just, it's wild to think like, how can, the Dodgers ownership not see that and say, Hey, 
one of our own pitchers, who, by the way, hasn't even played for the Dodgers yet. Right. He hasn't even played. Like, like he's on the team now. But, but to me, that's what makes this story even better for David Price. He hasn't even played, and he's already willing to give to an organization that he hasn't even played for. Again, the owners are worth billions of dollars. Now, again, the, the, the Dodgers are an ownership group, right? Yes. Who's the face of that ownership group? Well, his stake isn't as big, though. Magic right. Johnson. Well, but not as big. They, they trot him out there. They put him in the front row. I mean, does Ma- but, but does Magic Johnson even own? I'll look it up. I bet you he doesn't even own 7 or 8%. But my point is, where is he in being the guy that's going, you trotted me out there as your poster boy for this ownership group. You guys have to do something. Okay, fair enough. I mean, yeah. Jay-Z had whatever, one and a half percent. Well, by the way, that's, that's what Mag- – Magic's not that big. Magic – invested 50 million that only gives him 2.3 percent ownership right but there's a reason that that exists there's a reason and and it's the same thing as jay-z with the nets shout out bresler uh the same thing (laughs) the same thing with jay-z and the knicks and the nets is they want to sell somebody um a super minority share that they can also use as the poster child for like, look at us. Yeah. We're going to change the Nets uniforms to all black. Hova, hova. Like, and, and Magic Johnson, I mean, name, we know him because they marched him. We know he's one of the owners because they marched him out there. So if you're going to make money off of your 2.3% or whatever it is, the Dodgers, be a guy who's out there going like, I'm not going to let my – pitcher and considering everything that's going on my black pitcher pay for these guys when i'm just going to sit here and be like whatever yeah well it's just you know it's june 1st so i don't think we're to that point yet of worrying but as far as baseball is concerned again they're just they're always lagging behind everybody else but, and, but again, the most important thing is this has nothing to do with the pandemic. This has nothing to do with player safety. This has nothing to do with fan safety. This has to do with money. That's it. Yeah. It's depressing. Which, I, which, which, again, you know, I tied it back to it before, but I'll say it again. Colin Kaepernick had nothing to do with the flag, nothing to do with the troops, nothing to do with patriotism, nothing to do with freedom of speech. The owners were worried it was going to cost them money. Yeah. Well, it's like I always say, follow the money trail, right? That's all you have to do. Speaking of which, how about, I know we already brought him up before, we got to shout out Michael Jordan, right? Michael Jordan making a statement during all this, and it wasn't murderous cops buy sneakers too, which is a nice Good job mixing it up, Mike. Come coming together. I saw that, and I saw your your, your classic Prano tweet on that. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, he's growing as a person. I mean, he he was probably laughing at the video on an iPad because that's what he does. But you know, he didn't tweet. You know, blue blue the thin blue line can wear Jordans too. So that's mm-hmm. you know. By the way, did you see what uh, what what Jordan Rules author was it Sam Smith? Uh, what what's the latest? That's his name, right? Sam Smith. Yeah, yeah. He said uh, 
He said Michael Jordan food poisoning is 100% bullshit. <laughs> yeah. Why so, I mean, I mean, he's, he's, he's saying Jordan was sick, but he goes, I don't know why he's making up that, that statement. And he broke it down. He's like, dude, Michael Jordan is the most protective guy. He's not ordering a pizza. He's not getting a random pizza delivery that he's eaten. So it, it was just kind of funny. Again, it, it, with everything going on in the world, it didn't exactly make that much news. But it, it just kind of goes back to the – Jordan is literally a pathological liar. And, and I, I stand by the idea of, like, sick, not sick, whatever. Like, to me, it's, it, it just really seems like I'm not – like, c- coming into the locker room where you know if you lose that game, your back's going to be against the wall going, like, I'm not feeling so hot. Just, you know, planting seeds of an excuse just in case. Just in case. Well, the thing about Jordan is he, he's a master manipulator, and he's, he's – I got to use my words carefully here because I'm not saying they're not the same person. You're already going to laugh. I'm currently watching the the Jeffrey Epstein documentary and Epstein was a manipulator to create a pyramid scheme to have sex with underage girls and rape and molest. I mean, it's disgusting, but Jordan used that within sports as far as that psyche, that mentality of it's very similar as far as controlling a situation. And by the way, have you watched that yet? No. Is it worth watching? Yeah, it's only four episodes. I've finished three, but it, it, it doesn't go in depth enough for me. Um, I, I, you know, I, I am, a, I am a, a lover of like crime things and documentaries and all that stuff. But like, I don't know, there's something about the world right now where I'm not like, yeah, let's get into the world of, you know, deep state millionaire pedophilia just doesn't like i'm gonna say i'll save that for later on well it, it makes you wonder like dear god the, the the connections have you been following all the anonymous leaks yeah which i'm really enjoying and all these we already knew the political connections but all these people taking epstein's private plane and going to his literally rape it's a rape island the yeah. island he had, like, it's just, it which really makes also, you question. Which is, which is also, by the way, a new British game show. The Rape Island. <laughs> Who's hosting that game show? I don't know. Piers Morgan? Yeah, probably. I feel like that'd be a Piers Morgan show, right? Yeah. Is Piers Morgan making an appearance in the documentary? No. No. But uh, they don't, they don't. Again, I'm only through three episodes, and, and I don't know what, if we'll touch on the celebrities in the fourth, but uh, holy shit. I mean, the guy literally ran a pyramid scheme to fuck underage women. It's, it's, it's disgusting. It's also mind-boggling. You're like, how did this happen? And I did probably see why, that. Probably why he killed himself. Yeah, right? No, uh, one, no one's even talking about that. Yeah. When you see everything that's going on in the world, you got to wonder too, right? About some of the conspiracies happening right now, or do certain people want the riots? Do certain, like, who's planting the looters? Who's planting destruction? Who does yeah. this benefit? And, and, and honestly, I think, you know, the, 
people talking about the Antifa thing, or it's undercover cops that are doing this, or people are paying, or, you know, there's guys handing out money to inside boss. It's white supremacists. You're probably all right. I was going to say, I, I think it's a combination of all of them. Yeah. But, 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 you know, I go back to the same thing I said before. Most importantly, look at the 100,000 people or the 50,000 people or whatever it was that were marching in New Zealand yesterday. Just like walking down the street, fine. Like, you're a dipshit if you're like, oh, walk in traffic, get run over. Like, you're a dipshit. There are people, and I even watched it in San Francisco on Saturday, I think it was. San Francisco was just like letting people walk the streets. Surprise, surprise, San Francisco's not on fire. It's like, the, like I, of course there's Antifa and white supremacists and cops and people that want this to turn violent because they can say, look, this is, look, this is what happens. But also, just like, the most importantly, dipshit cops that won't let people just protest peacefully. You can't, you can't take a knee at the Santa Monica Pier and say that Black Lives Matter because at 3.45, we'll decide four o'clock's a curfew. And if you don't leave in 15 minutes, we're going to light you up. Like, ridiculous. And a 1, a 1 p.m. curfew. Andy, 1 p.m. is a, a, a ridiculously early happy hour. A yeah. curfew? <laughs> My nephew's five days old. He doesn't have a 1 p.m. curfew. Shout out to my new nephew, Dean. What's up? Dean watching? I probably not, but you know, yeah. still shout him out. Yeah, that, that, that's a good shout out. Uh, yeah, well, Garcetti, the, the mayor of LA, Eric Garcetti, and I'm not one of those guys who just like be all critical, but like between the coronavirus and this now with the curfews and how LA's handled it, like the guy has just not handled things well. Yeah. Just in general. I, I did I did get a little worried though, man. I saw you sent me that video, I posted it on Twitter. All those cops, the video was clearly filmed from Savage Town, from my building in Venice. All those cops lining up. I was uh you know, I was worried that uh the protesters were gonna overtake pool volleyball. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's interesting because there's definitely and I'm I would love to hear from dirtballs who are in other cities, but if you live in LA or you know LA and you're watching this on TV, it is very, very clear that um, they're stopping people when they start to get toward areas that they don't want them to be in. It's um, true. Uh, pe people walking down third, I mean, the cops literally just boxed them out and were like, you're not going to Beverly Hills. We read the tweets. We saw you guys said, you're not going to Beverly Hills. Meanwhile, people were just like, we're going to march to the streets. And they're like, not through Beverly Hills, you're not. And I found it interesting because, you know, obviously it was happening in Santa Monica yesterday and the police had their horrific approach to handling that. But they were prepared for them to come to Venice. I mean, that was right at the Venice sign. And I'm really surprised. I know, obviously, you know, you and I both know that Venice, uh, the, the real estate, is uh, very expensive in Venice these days. The, for a moment, I don't know if it still is, but for a moment, it was the most expensive per square foot in LA. Um, but it, I was surprised that the cops were like, nah, you ain't fucking with Venice. Cause like, I don't even think Venice would blink. 
but I also think there's, there's a respect. I mean, obviously not from these awful looters, but, but I feel like there's a respect. Venice, you know, we talk about it, Joe, like if you go out on the Venice boardwalk, it's a very diverse, eclectic group of people. You know what I'm saying? Like the heart of Venice, the boardwalk, the basketball courts, Muscle Beach, the actual beach itself. I, it's diverse age, race, gender. Like, like, you know, does that make sense? Like, you look at Beverly Hills. Let's just let's call it what it is. Mostly rich white people. Right. Like, I'm not saying that that Venice doesn't have a ton of rich white people because it does too. But the the clientele. I mean, I mean, I mean, Venice. To sum it up, Venice has multiple nicknames. Venice has Silicon Beach, and, and they couldn't be more different. Two main nicknames of Venice are Silicon Beach and Ghetto by the Sea. Yeah, where Which, the debris may, meets the sea is what uh, Iggy Pop said. Yeah, so, so you're, you're bringing in different walks of life to Venice. And, and I was surprised, too, because I felt like, you know, how much are they going to do in, in Venice? And I, from, from someone who's lived in L.A. 13 years now, I was so fascinated watching from afar the Beverly Hills situation. Because you're right, it's, it does go to show if you have the money and you have the power and Beverly Hills people do, they're not going to let people mess up their thing. And, and, and to kind of bring it back briefly to the Jeffrey Epstein thing, it's true. It's the same thing. He, he got out of, he got slapped on the wrist when they had a massive case against him in 2009. It's the same thing. Follow them. This is my new thing in life. And it should have been my thing the whole time. Just follow the money. Follow the money trail on all this stuff because that's usually where it leads you or where you can find a conclusion or some sort of answer to this stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Well, look, Joe, I think that's mostly what I wanted to cover today. I know it was a light show, but hey, the world, the country's on fire. You know, the thing is with coronavirus for a while, we were all stuck at home and we were all like, man, this sucks. We want to get out. We want to do, you know, all, all this. And, and, and sports, at least a little bit was still like, whether it be the draft or whatever, that was still kind of, it's like, there's nothing we can do, but sit home and watch stuff. And there's nothing we can do, but sit home and watch the last dance or watch a draft or whatever. And sports still kind of goes on when you get to a point of, of what this is. And I'm not, and by, by no means am I um, approaching the pandemic like lightheartedly, but when major American cities are on fire because yet another racist, murderous cop killed somebody in cold blood, it's, it's tough to be like, also sports. Yeah. But so, I mean, I, I feel like we're doing the, I feel like we're doing a better job than anybody. Yeah. Well, plus, uh, plus shout out to J.R. Smith for turning the riots into a, a sports story. We appreciate yeah. that. JR. He went from sliding into a girl's DMs in 2012 about laying the pipe to physically laying the pipe on some kid. Yeah. Chuck Liddell was down in Huntington. I don't know if you saw that. No, I didn't see that. Who, who's like violence. Is no, I'm like, dude, you're a UFC fighter with an NRA shirt on. Like, <laughs> what are you talking about? By the way, on a much lighter note, I got to give a shout out to Gold Star Chili. Uh, the official sponsor of this episode? The official sponsor. Look what I got. Look what I got in the mail today. I got a 
$50 gift card from our friends at Gold Star. It says, in, the, in a personalized note, it says, we love having you in the Gold Star Chili family, Andy. You want to hear something funny? So I told you last episode, people in Cincinnati, it's, it's like the Mason-Dixie line for the Civil War. People, they draw that line. Mason-Dixon. Mason-Dixon. I say Mason-Dixie? Yeah. <laughs> Classic Ruther. So, you know. Mendo- it's like the Mendoza line in the Civil War. <laughs> so people decide if they want Gold Star or Skyline. And I told you, my dad was a big Skyline guy. So I get back to my run today, and, and Walt says, Gold Star sent you something in the mail. So I open it up, and he goes, what is it? I said, oh, it's a $50 gift card and a nice note. And I go, I go, I take you to dinner, Dad, but you're not a Gold Star guy. And he goes, well, maybe I can make that exception. I mean, Walt's, if Walt's nothing, he's thrifty. Oh, thriftiest dude I know. Thrifty. On that note, Joe, it's been fun. Dirtballs, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at The Dirty Sports. Subscribe to us on YouTube. Drop an iTunes review and uh, send a screenshot, and I'll get you koozies if I ever make it back to L.A. Um, I've, got a, uh, I've got a big day ahead of me. This is, this is fun since I, always, since I always put my like, Venmo account out there. My, this is why Venmo is so much better. I know they're the same company at this point, but my PayPal was hacked. So today I'm going to go into Torrance and go find the guy who hacked my uh, PayPal account and ordered shit from like China to be delivered to his Torrance address, like a some sort of egg, some sort of like Asian egg. And whoa, 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 whoa. You should have brought this up earlier in the show. So you had the address of the guy who hacked and he doesn't know you're going to show up to his house? Yeah, so. Are you going to film it? I'm, I might. I'm about to call my brother because he, I feel like he's a great, he'd be a great sounding board for this kind of behavior. You know, it, a, a former criminal, a former internet criminal himself. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I randomly get a notice yesterday that like, like a payment, a payment has gone through on my PayPal and I look at it and it's got like Chinese symbols or whatever. So I go into my PayPal and $25 has been used on eBay through my like eBay account, which I've never once used to buy some like, like looks like a, like a, a, like an Asian egg on a stand, some sort of energy egg. Ridiculous. Then I go back and I see that uh, $11 and something cents has been bought like green tea from Asia. And also, there has been a, a, a transfer request. Somebody has tried to transfer hundreds of dollars. They successfully did transfer hundreds of dollars from my bank account to my PayPal. I assume so that they can use the funds from my PayPal to buy like all kinds of shit. So I go on my eBay account. They've, they're also watching like a TV and a computer. Like they have a list of things that they're going to buy. So I immediately like cancel my eBay, change all my passwords and whatever. But... I have the phone number and the address of where all this stuff was sh- going to be shipped is being shipped in Torrance. Here I come dog. It's Yoshi. All that Asian stuff. You're going to show up. It's going to be Yoshi. Let's go. I love it. You got to film but, this. Dude. But shout out to everybody. The, the security of Venmo way stronger at Joe Prano on Venmo at Joe Prano on Instagram, Joe Prano on TikTok. At Fix Your Life on Twitter. Yeah, I agree. I, I mean, 
the dirt balls have been amazing on Venmo. Seriously, guys, thank you uh, for all the donations. Um, I've gotten a few in the last seven, eight days myself. So thank you all the guys. I'm actually looking at them right now. Thank you for all the Venmo donations and uh, much appreciated. All right, Joe, that's the show. Dirt balls. Stay safe in this crazy world that we live in. Have a great week and always stay dirty.